Welcome back to another COVID-19 of Perspectives podcast. I'm here today with Dikla, a friend from uh, my hometown in Central Oregon who works in the emergency department. Uh, thanks so much, Dikla. I'm super excited to hear uh, your perspective and how things have been going uh, back in our hometown of Bend, because uh, I haven't gotten to talk to anyone in Bend yet. Um, so can you start out, please, uh, just share with us who you are, uh, what your position is, and where you're currently located? Yeah, so um, my name is Dikla Oregi, and I am a physician assistant in the ER here in Central Oregon, and I've been practicing for about uh, eight years total, but here uh, Central Oregon for about a little over three years. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so the, the first question that I've been asking, and I think it, it really helps open up the conversation to go different directions, is what do you feel like has been the biggest surprise about how the pandemic has unfolded in the United States and also specifically in your community? You know, I think the, the biggest thing that I was surprised was just the amount of outreach, honestly, that came within the community. Um, you know, I think it was probably like early March, even before things may have gone shut down. I had kind of put out like a Facebook request that if you had any masks, uh, pretty much masks, um, if you had some, please donate. And the amount of replies and not just replies but people actually dropping off masks and not only just dropping off some that they had stored in their house because they did gardening or whatever like people actually made thousands of masks and surgical caps i mean just the amount of really caring people that have come out of this um, because obviously this has been really hard for many people um, in different ways and um, I think the amount of love that has also come out of something so scary and sad and all, all of the feelings so, yeah that's great right an act of kindness it goes a long way yeah exactly so so, I mean, you mentioned the community was doing a, a really good job of helping step up with some of the, the PPE um, needs for, for the medical community. Were you guys receiving any personal protective equipment from other sources other than community members? Were any businesses stepping up? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think not just local place, not just within Central Oregon, but all throughout Oregon I've heard stories of people just stepping up saying, oh, I have this hardware store, blah, blah, blah. This is what I've got. Here you go. So, yeah, it's, it's really been outstanding. That's fantastic. So have you felt a shortage at all of any of the PPE at your work? You know, that's a really good question. And I, I feel that, that St. Charles as a whole has done a really good job of reaching out to various companies and trying to get all the PPE um, that we need um, for the people. So I would say 
In terms of tooth shortage, I would say maybe no, but at the same time, I will also say that, you know, there were times where I was maybe reusing stuff um, only because I was scared to ask for another one, and that's probably my, my own thing, um, just trying not to use more than might be needed. So that, I think that's a really hard question to answer, but I feel that overall, St. Charles did a, a really good job. I felt like they, they really tried to keep things transparent um, as best as they could, which, which, you know, communication obviously is key. Uh, and everything we do. And, you know, the, the other thing that I, I probably should have said prior to starting is I, everything that I'm sharing here is is my personal opinion. Um, it has nothing to do with St. Charles. It has nothing to do with their system and this and that. So I want to make sure people are aware that this comes from my own perspective. Thank you, thank you. I I do appreciate that. I think that's an important disclaimer to have, right? And that's and that's actually one of the goals of this uh, of this series that I'm doing is really to get the personal perspective, um, not so much about about individual systems, but just to see how people are experiencing it, because I think that's important. And that's something that we, being abroad, we miss a lot of is we just don't get the personal experience unless it directly impacts a family member. What we see is what we see is in the news. Right, and it's always uh-huh. these—it's always either these—it's—it's it's polar. It's either the really big success stories or the really big failures, but we don't see any of the stuff in the middle. So, right. So, how how prepared did you feel, like as a professional, for when this was starting to come in? I know it's like I feel like it's such a like what do they call that like backseat quarterbacking or something like that. I just feel like I. I think with all the information coming in on a daily basis and literally almost changing on a daily basis, it was it was just concerning, I guess. And, and being in emergency medicine, period, I feel like this is what we are meant to del- deal with, mm. um, the all-time changing environment, not knowing what's coming next. So to a certain degree, I think that, yes, we are prepared. Um, on the other hand, this is obviously a novel virus, and we really didn't know what we're dealing with, uh, with the exception of what other countries had shared with us. And once cases started arriving here in the U.S., so again, all of the above. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes it's it's okay to feel prepared for one day, and the next get hit with a sledgehammer. <laughs> That's one of the things that's been really interesting, I think, about this is is we, when it was very early, we were hearing that it was very similar to flu symptoms and things like that. And then since then, we've seen a lot of multi-system effects throughout the body. How, in, in your experience, how has treating um, patients that are presenting with symptoms of COVID changed from, you know, three months ago when it was first started until now? I don't know that I could specifically answer that question because, believe it or not, out of the however many tests I've specifically done on ruling in or ruling out COVID patients, I've had zero, wow. uh, which is which is actually amazing. 
Uh, on the other hand, I think it's also important to note, and you may already know this, that we do have false negatives, right? And so I can count on at least one hand where I was like, that person for sure has COVID. I think it's hard for me to give you a true, true answer to that question. <laughs> So that kind of actually, uh, this is a perspective I haven't had yet. Being someone that's actually gotten to administer the uh, COVID test, how are people responding to that fairly invasive procedure? Oh, I mean, it's awesome. I, I, I mean, I don't know if you've had it done, and I haven't either, um, but they literally stick a huge Q-tip swab, it's actually small, but, you know, and shove it up into your brain almost, you know, Um, and every person that I've seen had it done, like, they automatically either go like this or like this, you know, trying to put something away, Um, it's it's very uncomfortable, so (laughs) I I don't wish it on anybody, really. Do you sometimes need need help actually administering it, or are people like are they able to kind of relax a little bit once it starts? I think the adult-ish population is a little bit does a little bit better with it. Um, certainly, the the kiddo population, you know, it's it's usually a fight. Uh, so poor kids. Yeah, and you know the people who are are that I feel feel for the most are actually the nurses because they're actually the ones typically administering the actual nasal swab. So I personally haven't done one. It's mm. really all the nurses. They, 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 they are the heroes, for sure. Uh, they are. They are. That's absolutely true. Um, it's been a, I've only had a couple of nurses that I've been able to interview so far, and they, they both had very unique perspectives. Um, but it was... It was also enlightening to see kind of how they viewed things. They actually both had very positive overall outlooks. And I think it's because they, they got to directly deal with a lot of patients and help patients. I think that's what nurses do, right? Like, uh, yeah. that's what drives them. So it makes a big difference. Yeah. How concerned are you working in the emergency department and having a you know, fairly big hospital system behind you that has an urgent care and has primary care? How concerned are you about exposure? Oh, I, you know, it's it's a it's it's a matter of when. If if I haven't already uh, had it, which certainly possible, uh, it's going to happen. I'm I'm going to be exposed. I mean, mm. it's going to happen. If it's not this year, then it's next year. You know, this isn't. Uh, I kind of mentioned before. I don't think it's something that's going away soon. You know, it's something that's going to be, that we're going to be dealing with for, for quite some time. What is your biggest concern? I mean, if it's a matter of when, what's, what is your concern with contracting it if it does happen? Honestly, uh, I would say that it's, you know, the exposure that I can have to, that I potentially have to my, my family and other friends, you know, I have been super super duper careful for example you know my partner like i making sure that i'm not gonna give anything to her and in the same turn to even to her parents because they live here in central oregon Mm. um 
I I wonder how long is it, it's going to be before I'm able to go visit my own family who are, live in Los Angeles and Chicago and Philadelphia. Like those, those are my biggest concerns, honestly. Yeah, those are reasonable concerns. That's one of our big concerns about coming back to Oregon this summer um, to see family is you know, we feel like they're everywhere that we would go, everyone, everyone we would potentially stay with potentially has comorbidities that we want to try to avoid. And even though we're coming from a very safe place, having to get on a plane and having to come through an airport, it just feels like a really big risk sure. to a lot of people. Have you noticed any significant changes in your job? Are there any additional responsibilities, any um, part of your job that's maybe become a little bit more lax or like a change in patient load in the last couple of months? Yeah, so, um, you know, specific to Central Oregon, the amazing thing is that for the most part, I think people really did their job and that was to stay home. And because of that, we had a significant decrease in amount of patients that were coming through the ER, which I know probably a majority of the country has experienced with exceptions, the exception of places like New York and some other places that were getting crushed. But essentially what happened is, you know, they had to decrease our hours and also pay. Um, mm. And, you know, that's that's been kind of rough, but um, thankfully, overall we're okay but yeah that's that's been really hard I mean with with medical systems you know especially in emergency departments you know you either work like three twelves or four tens um, and things like that have they shifted that schedule yeah we so the APPs um, the PAs and NPs of our group uh, typically work there are usually three shifts per day um, so that dropped down to two shifts per day, mm. and then usually we work eight-hour shifts, and then that dropped down to seven-hour shifts. Ah, okay. Uh, so the whole so, system, yeah. so it's not just individual providers, it's like literally just availability of services and everything is just gone down. Yeah. Mm. One of the fairly common responses that I've gotten is that, you know, mental health and, and counseling and things like that have seen a significant uptick um, in business. Is that something that that you've seen also in your community? Yeah, honestly, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know if it's, it's changed in the sense of more per se. I feel like it's always just kind of steady, honestly. I don't, I don't know that there's been, uh, although I will say I think there, I have talked to more patients who have been anxious about COVID-19 and everything mm. that's been going on. So, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess you could say there's been a bit of an uptick there. That's a one more thing to worry about that people really don't need right now, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Huh. Sometimes it's all it takes to send us over the edge. Yeah. At the same time, I think a lot of patients are, um, you know, at least the ones who come in for those specific concerns, they're very, when you're able to provide them with reassurance, I feel like um, they usually take to it really well, and they hmm. also are really grateful for you taking the time to, to speak with them a little bit more. 
that's nice. That's good that you're able to take that time too. Yeah. Being in a really, and I, I mean, I only know this from experience of living there, but being in a place where there's a lot of domestic tourism that comes through in the summer months with outdoor activities, you know, and we're definitely getting to that time with Memorial Day and everything. How, how concerned are you that there's going to be a change in those cases and how well things are managed? Yeah, I mean, for sure, I think it's a matter of time that we're going we're gonna to see increased in, in, in positive cases. Um, I, have, I have no doubt, you know, I mean, we, in the last week or two, we're, we're starting to see um, increase in patients and not only that, but people you know, visiting from out of town, and so it's just a matter of time <laughs> that, that it's going to happen. Now, the question is, you know, when we start seeing these positive cases, are those people being admitted? I think that's really the big variation or, you know, thing that we need to think about, and I think as a whole, I feel that with the time that we've had, to kind of better prepare, I feel like I think I think we're pretty well prepared for for things in general. Um, but yeah, I mean that's scary to me. That's scary to me because we don't know how sick people are going to get, and, and in terms of our resources and everything else, um, how much of them will will, will need to be used up. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty, and it, it definitely it doesn't seem to be going away. <laughs> no. And one of the one of the interesting things I actually just uh, finished an interview a couple of days ago with um, with a longtime family friend that that contracted COVID um, when he came back to the United States and he said he went so we went to ER once and they thought he had RSV tested him for RSV and and it came back positive so they sent him away and then he went back and he was admitted for four days actually admitted. During that time, they gave him the COVID test, and he tested positive, and then they sent him home even after testing positive, kind of with the idea of like, all right, well, if symptoms get bad enough, then come back. And then they did, and he ended up being hospitalized for about eight days after that. But is that a fairly typical response of, you know, even when patients, patients are testing positive, if they're, not, if they're not in a health crisis, that they're just kind of told, go home and self-isolate? Yeah, I think, you know, I think every hospital is probably maybe a little bit different, but essentially the goal is to keep you out of the hospital, if possible, because the more you're in the hospital, the more you're exposed to other things, the potential, the potential to get worse on other levels is there, and so, you know, if you are a relatively healthy individual without any comorbidities um, in terms of what we see in front of us, the patient uh, looks well, vital signs look good, so on and so forth. Um, even if they test positive, if we don't have to keep them, we're going to try to send them home with very strict precautions, return precautions of, you know, you know, the chest pain, really having a hard time breathing, shortness of breath. I mean, I've even heard of some docs who have um, told patients who have O2 sat monitors at home mm. to keep an eye on that. And if that drops down below a certain percentage, then come back to us or so on and so forth. So 
Um, I think that's relatively common, common. And at the same time, I think it's scary not only for the provider, but potentially also for the patient. But I think for the most part, if I were in those shoes, um, I would probably want that too. It is, it feels more, well, for multiple reasons, it feels more comfortable at home, of course, right? And that's our space. But I mean, also, I guess something that they has to be taken into consideration in the States, right, is the, the cost of staying in a hospital. Um, even with insurance is just astronomical. Um, yeah. do, are there any, actually, that's a question that hasn't come up yet, is, do you know, are there any programs uh, that either states or federal is doing specifically for patients that do test positive to help with some of those costs? Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. I, I'm not exactly sure on, you know, the financial uh, component of it, but I, I, in general, I know that most hospitals, if there is some type of final fi financial situation, they usually try to work with you. So my guess would be relatively the same on, on those lines as well. Oh, that's true. Right? Yeah. I mean, especially with people, a lot of people being out of work and businesses closing, it's, it's a tough time, undoubtedly. Yeah. So Deschutes County, I have to assume, is in somewhere in phase one of reopening where most businesses are kind of getting going. Do you feel like it's back to some kind of normal or is it, does it definitely feel different when you go out and go shopping or go to restaurants? Yeah, I mean, so Deschutes County is um, currently in phase one and my honest answer to that question is there's a certain part of me that feels that you know a few days right before Memorial Day weekend it was like the pandemic was kind of over here in Central Oregon or at least here in Bend um, because the streets were just as busy there's traffic again lots of people floating down the Deschutes River but for me personally you know, my gym is opened up and the restaurants are opened up. I, I don't plan on necessarily going back to those things for at least another month. Mm. Um, because I feel like I need to be a little bit more vigilant about just being mindful and being careful because of the potential for amount of exposure that I have. That is a very considerate approach to it. I, I'm sure a lot of medical professionals uh, probably share that as well, that, that feeling of, of sense of duty to the community and, and to others. Um, I wish it was something that we heard about more in the news, that other people were sharing that outside of the medical community too. Uh, it definitely hasn't been observed in this, like in what we, at least what we got here from, from Memorial Day and seeing people crowding beaches and we'll see what the outcomes are, right? <laughs> Yes, you will. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Do you do you see there being uh, some kind of a, a timeline in place, you know, between now and maybe the end of the year about, you know, either another outbreak or is um, there been talk within the medical community about additional treatments or anything like that? Like, is there any, I guess is the real question is, is, do you see a timeline of things getting better? And do you see a timeline of things getting worse? Yes and yes. I mean, uh, I, like I said before, I just I don't I don't know that we can put a specific timeline on it because we're still learning about this 
bars every day, and I don't think that it's just going to go away. I, I wish, I mean, maybe if we're lucky, maybe we'll see some decline with this hot, hotter weather, but I, I really don't know. Um, but I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going away, and I don't, I don't think we can put a timeline on it until we see how things progress now with places opening up more and just how things, to see how things unfold. Do you see the the effects of, you know, about like your scheduling and the number of patients, specifically being in the ER, um, because it is a specialty. People don't view it as a specialty, but it is a specialty. Do you see the kind of the effects to scheduling and the number of patients that come in? Do you think that's going to be a, a long-term trend? Or as things potentially get worse, will people start utilizing the emergency department again for, you know, you know, I have a cold and I don't feel good. Yeah, uh, we're already starting to see that. So I would say at least over the last week, we've been seeing an uptick in our, our amount of patients we're seeing per day through the ER. Um, so, you know, I just got notified actually a few hours ago that our schedules will be changing a little bit uh, again. Uh, you know, a little bit increase in hours, you know, so we, we dropped down to seven hour shifts and now we're going back to eight hour shifts um, starting June. So there's that. Do you view that as good news? Uh, I don't know. It's, I feel like it's, a, I feel like it's a double edged sword, uh, honestly, you know, I mean, I'm so grateful to still have a job, right? Obviously, um, had some losses over the last few months here, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have a few more hours added on, but um, I just know that, I know that there are a lot of people out there that don't think that COVID-19 is real or it's a political thing or all the other things that are out there, and all, all I can say is that it is real, and it's scary. Um, even though I personally, personally, didn't have a true positive test. I've seen positive patients, um, and um, it's scary. It's really scary. So it's real. Yeah. When you when you did uh, see those those patients, even if it wasn't a positive test, was it significantly different from other respiratory dysfunctions? Yeah, I don't I don't think you can necessarily compare it to anything that we've seen before because it's so. There's so many layers and multiple body systems that are affected by it. And I know in the beginning there was a lot of talk about how you know, the younger population um, will not necessarily be affected by this. Um, but you know we're seeing more and more that, in fact, they are affected by it um, because this huge inflammatory response is occurring and in a negative way. And people who were otherwise healthy in their 30s um, there's just this crazy cascade of clotting that occurs and you know one day they're okay and then the next day they have a stroke um, so those are things that are, are are really are really scary yeah that's it's hard to imagine too i mean it's i think as as people try to downgrade i guess would be the word uh the severity of covid you know i hear a lot of that chatter online of course with people saying oh it's not a, it's not that big of a deal you know you know give me real data because those people that are that are young and suffering they're the exception 
and have the, the mentality of like, all right, I've got, I guess it's a classic cliche, right? I've got a hundred M&Ms in front of me and one of them is guaranteed to kill me. Am I going to eat any of the M&Ms? No, no, I'm not. I don't care if it's an exception. I get that it's an exception and that it doesn't happen to everyone. But if I could be that one or heaven forbid my son could be that one, I'm not gonna take the chance. And, and I'm, I'm just astonished that people have such short memories sometimes and, and can push that away. It's just amazing. It is amazing. And I think for, you know, the people who have unfortunately had a family member test positive and they've seen what they've gone through and either they um, survived or they didn't, I think that's definitely plays a big part for people and whether they believe it or they don't believe it or whatever but the bottom line is that the people who are most affected are you know people of color people who don't have access to um, health care and those those are really the people who are, are suffering the most and that adds on a whole another layer of hurt you know it does, and it continues to, to complicate some some already pressing uh, political issues in the states too. And exactly. but I, I don't think it gets I don't think that part gets enough uh, news attention right now because it, you know it is a further um, polarization and marginalization of, of populations in the in the states. And I, I just keep coming back to the hope that we're gonna find some light in it. We're gonna find some learning and potentially make some changes from it. Do you see any any positive changes maybe coming from you know what we might learn or, or what we already have learned? Yeah, I mean, I think even just the way I approach how I show up to work in terms of like what I'm wearing and then what I wear when I'm coming home, like mm. I wonder if that will potentially change my habits forever. And I kind of think it will. And not to say that I'm like a dirty person, but you know, I would <laughs> open my scrubs and I would come home with my scrubs. And I would, you know, um, I, I did this even before COVID where I would take my scrubs off in, in the garage. But uh, I don't know, I just feel like this is um, really different. Uh, on, a, on a better note, I think that telemedicine will be here forever. And I think that I think that will really change, or has already changed, uh, the medical profession in a big way. Um, and I think it's a good thing actually, because mm -hmm. I think it shows everybody that yes, you know, having a face-to-face -face visit with your provider is super important. But there are certainly cases in which we can do just a good job virtually um, than we can, you know, face-to-face. -face. So. Um, I certainly feel like that's one really good thing that's come out of this crazy mess. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a few times, and I'm going to hope that it sticks. I mean, it'll be, you know, part of it, I think, will be on, won't just be on providers, of course. You know, it's a systems perspective. So, you know, whether or not hospital systems are really willing to invest in it, because it will require some additional investment in technology to maintain it insurance companies, whether insurance companies will, you know, figure out a pay structure that works for it. Um, I'm really hopeful for that too, because uh, there could be, there could be huge benefits for telemedicine in the long term. I mean, when we talk about 
overwhelming medical systems. You know, every time there's you know the, the flu season hits, or whether whether or not we can do follow up for prescriptions. Uh, you know, those are simple things that people no longer have to drive if they live in the country two hours to a provider to get and then back. Exactly. Been uh, been maintaining a mentality of hopeful but not optimistic. Ooh, which that's kind of rough. It, it's it's kind of bleak, but it's. Um, I think it unfortunately might be realistic. I think there's a lot of hope that we can hope for change, but in every single discussion I've had, you know, we talk about the, how short our memories can be, and and unfortunately, when it comes to change, I don't know if you share this this opinion as well, but when it comes to change, you know, individuals can change pretty quickly. Large groups of people and systems take longer to change. And so if we don't, if we as individuals and then branching into larger communities and then branching into systems don't continue to try to make those systems accountable for change, then they drop off. And if we as individuals have short memories, then... <sighs> yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a very valid point. Yeah, I agree with you. But I, am, I genuinely am hopeful. I mean, I see a lot of good things happening. I see, um, you know, I see Oregon, and I, I've heard a lot of good things about how Oregon is handling things. I heard great things about how um, Maine and certain counties in California have been doing, um, how things have been going in Idaho a little bit, and uh, even in Washington State. And, and so there are some definite positive pockets. And, uh, you know, if we, if we want to learn from each other, then I think we can move forward in a really positive way but it's still going to be a process yeah i think that's the key I'm, I'm hoping that with more time or as things continue to unfold is that we actually try to have discussions about what's happening rather than just polarizing everything mm. and blaming this on that and this you know it's just i feel like we're getting nowhere and i'm seeing it all the time and that that's the most frustrating thing is people trying to pin this on, you know, Trump and this, like, yes, things could have been handled better, but let's just, that's in the past now, let's figure this out and work together and make things better, right? So. I like that. I, yeah. Let, let's just find a way to be better. That's a. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because as human beings, we are pretty freaking amazing, and the things that we can accomplish are really outstanding but you know if we're pitting things against one another we're not going to get anywhere we're just kind of going around in circles but if we actually put our brains together and talk about things and make change like you talked about we will we will make amazing things and potentially eradicate this wouldn't that be amazing I would, I would love that. I would love for, um, for our learning of epidemiology and, and immunology that could stem from this to, to have impacts other places, right? Because there is a whole branch of, of, of various coronaviruses that hopefully we could potentially learn something about here. Yeah. Well, uh, Dila, I, I really, really appreciate you taking some time with me. It's been, it's been really enlightening. It's really good to chat. As, uh, as we kind of move forward with things and, and as I continue this I hope we'll have some additional time to chat later for sure definitely thanks for reaching out and uh, appreciate what you're doing on your end as well and uh, stay safe out there